Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. I want winners. I want people that want to win. Three in a row, Rod. I'm not Ooh. sure I expected after that 5-0 and start that we would ever have a three game a three a three a three game losing streak but Bengals came in and the Bengals kind of whooped them up like I, I think the Vikings game was a little bit of an eye opener just at how easily Cousins was able to to move the football I, I think most believe Joe Burrows is, is is a better quarterback and they they just took whatever that Minnesota game plan was and they just repeated it and Joe Burrows looked tremendous. I know he has the, the calf thing. I didn't see any resemblance of, of a quarterback who had a calf problem. This, <laughs> dude, was, this dude was running. Not he looked today. fast. He's, he's like <laughs> shaking Hufunga out of his shoes. Uh, so, you know, the, I, I think this loss is probably the most frustrating one because there was – after that first loss, you could say, okay, you know, you're going to lose one at some point. And then last week you could say, eh, you know, a little, little fluky. You're going into Minnesota. You're playing on the road. You know, we have all of these different excuses as, as to what's going on. And not too many excuses after this one. This was a pretty much, uh, pretty much a bug kicking. I, I thought, I mean, I know they made it close near the end, but they were never in control of this game. I don't think for one minute. That was what I saw. And, you know, we continue with this narrative of coordinators and whatnot. But what I saw was Bengals plastered on our defensive linemen and blowing them three yards off the ball. I saw Bengals players. I'll be really interested to see when the numbers come out, how many of those yards were after contact. There were hella missed tackles. We couldn't cover we needed a blanket or something because we, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't, you know, and again, there's no shame in not being able to cover Jamar Chase. I mean, he's one of the best receivers like, in the league. He looked like the best player in football. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, I, I don't know how you come away from watching that game and want to ascribe any of that to scheme. I mean, we just got our bus kicked. I, yeah. And again, because that's to me, when you look at the offensive and defensive lines, you can talk about scheme and leverage and all the rest of that. But at a certain point, you just got to whoop the dude in front of you. And if you can't do, if you can't fundamentally, if they're whooping your ass, 
I hope you're not going over to the sideline hoping that the defensive coordinator <laughs> has some kind of <laughs> advice for you to keep this dude from beating your ass because that's just not generally how it works. You just got to get mad and you have to fight. And I, I'm not saying they weren't because I don't, I don't play that game, professional athletes. I believe they're all out there trying, and if they're getting their ass kicked, it's not because they want to get their ass kicked. You know, maybe them dudes are just better. Yeah. But um, I, it, I, have, a, I have a buddy who's a Bengals fan, mm-hmm. and he said, "Here was his quote to me. I'll, I'll read it to you. Uh, let me let me see if I can find it here. I know it's sitting in a Discord somewhere. Uh, okay, here we go. He said." I don't know if the San Francisco defense is fraudulent, but this is the best the Bengals have looked this year. So is the defense fraudulent? Because coming into the season, uh, you know, I think we had high hopes. And I think part of the reason why you're okay with Brock as a young player starting is you know you have playmakers on offense, but you also know you have playmakers on defense. And the defense keeps you in ball games. And Brock just has to do the little things to win. You know, these last two weeks, Brock has had to try and play from behind, which is not, I mean, as we can tell, so far in his career, not his strong suit, though I don't know if it's anybody's necessarily their strong suit this early in their career. But the defense today looked very average at best. And uh, I've, I have a statistic for you. 63 out of 77, that is the completion uh percentage or the the the, the completions versus uh complete uh completion attempted for the last two games that is 82 percent kirk cousins and joe burrows have completed passes against 49ers secondary 82 percent the last two weeks look it, it it is it's really you know i'm not a smart guy so i have to make i have to keep it simple simple and it's really simple to me if we're able to get pressure we can be a good defense. We can be a great defense because I I am not one who's gonna we're gonna throw out the first five weeks of the season. I don't. I just don't think so. I think we have to get pressure, and it seemed to me like okay, we're gonna. We didn't. We really didn't talk about it last week, but okay, we we've all established that the zero blitz was a bad call. Okay, yeah. that's fine. Everybody makes bad calls. Kyle makes bad calls. Everybody makes bad calls. But today, what I saw was an extreme overcorrection. So we're not going to blitz at all. I was going to ask you about that. So we're not, we clearly can't get consistent pressure. Nick was able to do a little bit, and Armstead did some stuff. But down in and down out, we aren't winning with four. So. One of Wilkes' strengths is his aggressiveness and calling blitzes. But it seemed like, you know, he got his hand slapped and he sat in the corner and he wasn't allowed to do any of that today. Which, I mean, if you're not going to do it today, (laughs) I don't know when exactly you're going to ever call another blitz if today wasn't. um, And again, maybe they just felt they couldn't cover these dudes man to man. So they couldn't afford to blitz. And if that was their assessment, I can't really, you know, I, I can't fault them on that. Cause it, it didn't seem like we had anybody out there who could cover any of those dudes one-on-one. 
Um, but sitting back in the zone and trying to let the front four get there, that wasn't working either. No. So I would rather, you know, I'd rather be aggressive and die that way. And, and here's a psychological thing too, right? If you blitz and Burroughs picks it up and makes the right decision and moves the ball downfield, you kind of go, okay, like he beat us on that play. But if you don't blitz and he does the same exact thing, you're kind of playing into his hands. But okay, here's the here. I'm so happy that you brought this up and we didn't even talk about this, but it was an angle where I wanted to go. So during the week, Shanahan was asked about the Wilkes blitz call from Monday, the zero blitz. Now, I don't know if he's throwing this guy under the bus, but he was very straightforward with his language. Here's the quote. Kyle Shanahan, quote, he knows he messed up on that call. I have no problem with zero blitzes, especially when people need a lot of yards. If you need to get 20 yards to kick a field goal, I have no problem with the zero blitz, but I do when there's 16 seconds left. That's where he lost track. There was no necessary need for that just because of the time. I have no problem with that play call, but when it's that time, you can't do that. That's not an option. When has he ever called a coach out like that? In his, yeah. From as far as I can remember, like never, right? Yeah, I don't think so. And again, I go back to then. Again, if that is the case, he's a first-year coordinator here and this is another thing i we i spent all week talking about is that dude came in and he is running kyle's defense he had to come in they were they made it clear and he made it clear he had to come in here and learn how we did it here yes um and sprinkle in a little bit of some of his flavor but this is their doing so what you're telling me kyle is if he can't do that you're saying that you guys went over that specific <laughs> situation and you instructed him under no circumstances. Can he do that? If not, I don't know how you can. I mean, I don't know. It wasn't. A, it, it it seems to me like we're playing the result because if Mooney makes a play on that call, I mean, are we really talking about the fact that, he called that. I don't know. Maybe Kyle does still say that in the press conference that there's no way he should call that play. And he got lucky. I don't know. But um, yeah, that, that was interesting. He was very strong in his um, criticism of him on that call. And I don't know that if it was necessarily warranted, I, you know, in my opinion, it wasn't necessarily warranted. To be fair, we weren't got, we weren't getting any pressure any other yeah. way. So to be fair to Kyle, he also said, quote, it's ultimately up to me. I heard that play call and I should have called the timeout and changed it, but I didn't. So that's what happens. But things lead up to that. And that part of the quote. Now, every time the Niners have a defensive timeout, I'm just going to think he's changing Wilkes' play call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's that it's it's an unfortunate circumstance that when we get to that place. But again, maybe I just don't know enough about it. But from what I see out there on the field, I think that there are far greater. I, I what I am not seeing is defensive linemen 
beating their opponents. I'm not seeing dudes making tackles and I'm not seeing guys covering. And then I fall back to, wow, these dudes are playing excellent football and it must be these calls that are putting them in this, in these poor positions. I just don't see that. Um, And so that's where I'm at with it. I just think, you know, maybe he could give them a, a greater edge with his calls, but I also think um, somebody other than Bosa needs to like get some kind of pressure at some point. We, we need to figure we need to get that part figured out, and we need to get the cover the back end. Which again, I've always said that those are those two two things are connected. Going back to Salah and Ryan's, if we didn't get pressure. We get cooked. They their defensive got defensives got got cooked too. Their secondaries got cooked too. We this defense is predicated on pressure, and if we're not getting it, it's going to be a problem. And I think that is the greatest issue: is where's Hargraves? Where is Drake? I don't know. I don't even know if he's playing. Um, Randy Gregory was supposed to be this great big grand addition none of those dudes are being productive at all nick is still doing nick kind of things but there's nobody else helping him so i mean it's it's that i think is what we need to fix and if they think that they can bring somebody in here because again i you know people talk about this Patrick certain foolishness. <laughs> I don't really know why Denver, Bron- Denver. Yeah. Denver already said he's off limits. I, I, why would they do that? Um, even if they're in the mid, if they decided after this year, Russell Wilson is a bust and we're going to, we're going to eat that money and we're going to tear it down. They beat the bumps off the chiefs. Today. I know that's, you know, that was shocking, but even if you decide you're going to tear it down and start over, I mean, a 23 year old, all pro corner on on a rookie deal is going to be a cornerstone of a rebuild. So yeah. that doesn't make any sense. And then start you start drop you drop down to somebody like the kid in Chicago. I mean, would he be an upgrade over what we have? Maybe, but I don't see him being like a difference maker. I mean, like somebody that's going to turn the season around. I, again, I just don't. Any of those guys we go around, I just either. They're gonna be too expensive to get somebody like Burns, or you question whether or not. I mean, Daniel Hunter, yes, I guess he's an upgrade over what we've got. But I mean, is he gonna? Is he a difference maker? I don't know. I think Burns probably is, but how much does that cost? I mean, are we giving up? Or are we in the business of send, shipping two or three ones out the door? To make that happen, I don't. Again, I just don't know. I don't know. And if you do that, if your mortgage the future like that, do you really think that he's going to give you that kind of return? I mean, I guess I, I just. And then you start talking about guys like Chase Young, and I, okay, that that would again, they're good players, and they're probably going to be. He's definitely an upgrade over Cleveland Farrell. But again, I don't know how high the bar is lifted by any of those moves um so we'll see we'll see what ends up happening most of the time the end up nfl trade deadline ends up being a bunch of nothing yeah so so we'll see but um 
I, I don't, I mean, I know we're not going to get, we're not getting any help on the right side of the offensive line, which continues to be an issue. Um, so I don't know. I just think we're going to have to make it work yeah. with the guys that we've got. So we'll see. First wanted to shout out Rick. He didn't get to see today's game. So we're going to be a little bit of his eyes and ears on this one. Also Davis in the chat as well. Uh, if you guys who are on the YouTube feed can just do a little, Click that little thumbs up button. I was told that that helps with the algorithm and all that such, uh, all that stuff. So uh, I, I don't know if it does or, or doesn't, but I guess it couldn't hurt. Uh, okay, so we, we, I guess the thing that I keep in the back of my head thinking of is obviously when you're when you're on the top, when you're the top dog, when you're five and zero. Oh, there's only one place you can, I mean, you can only go down. Like everyone is looking at you and go, okay, how can we stop those guys? All of a sudden, you know, weeks out, it's like, okay, we need to figure out what to do against these guys. Defensively for the 49ers, it looks like there are a couple of things that are being targeted, that are being taken advantage of. One of them is Isaiah Oliver in coverage. When teams can get one-on-one with him, they're just going after him. And there are moments where like, Jamar Chase and him were were hanging out one on one. It's like he, Jamar Chase and and you know Mooney Ward also at yeah, and you know Mooney got called for pass interference. But you know Oliver's not he's not he he's going to be the one who gets picked on in that situation. That's just kind of what it is. Now he also we're being fair here. He also made some tremendous open field tackles uh, on plays that could have been big gainers for Cincinnati. So I want to give him his kudos there, but his job is in coverage. I also think the one thing that I haven't heard a ton about, but when you, when, you know, we mentioned not getting pressure, our safeties are built to help make tackles and stop the run. They're not, you know, they're, they're not these fleet of foot guys who are going to cover all kinds of areas of the field. Hufanga, for the first time, looks like what his negative attributes were coming out of college, which was his foot speed. One-on-one, this guy is getting juked out of his shoes on tackles. Now, I don't know if that is because usually if the defense is playing solid, there's going to be a linebacker there to kind of force him into Hufanga, but there's there were a few moments today where it was him and the ball carrier, and the ball carrier didn't get touched. Whiff. He like just whiffed. Big time. So there are small things like that where <clears throat> you know, if I understood maybe the, the X's and O's and the strategy of their defense a little bit better, I could probably give you a better explanation as to why maybe Hufunga and Gibson aren't really there to make plays or or cannot make plays and do what they do best. Uh, we, we, uh, there was, there was a great opportunity and, and I sort of was like, okay, this is what we need uh, on that fumble that was turned into an incompletion and Gibson was right there and he picked it up and I was like, okay, like positive play for the defense, but it was called what I thought correctly was an incompletion. And then that stopped that, that drive and it was fourth down the linebacker situation. It sounds like poor, uh, poor Dre is, is not doing well i i heard from or i i read a couple of things where people who were at the game 
or watching him get up after trying to make tackles in this thing. Like every single time he was on the, it was really slow for him to get up. So he's hurting and he's going to be happy that the buy is here. Um, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're all world uh, middle linebacker. The field is, is wide open and Joe Burrows is running in the middle for quarterback draws. And that is because Fred's got to cover so much more space when things are spreading out. So the, the offenses are figuring out the pockets of the 49ers defense that aren't great when you can, you can block. So I think all of those things are, are, are part of this. And I would hesitate to say all of a sudden the Niners went from, you know, a, a really strong defense to a really crappy defense in, in a short frame of, uh, of time. But it does look like teams were like, okay, like, what do we do against these guys? Well, we need to try and do these things. And then when you can't get the, when you, when you can't get any pressure from the front four, it looks like those things that they're doing are, are, are working now. So uh, Wilkes is going to be a bit of a scapegoat for the fans last week. It was moody, right? It was moody and Wilkes um, and that, and now Wilkes. So I don't know what the exact formula. I don't know what the antidote is. I'm sure the bye week is going to help these guys, but I think ultimately uh, it, there seems to be a little bit of chaos on, on Kyle's uh, staff as far as, you know, what's going on. They'll have to figure out that they'll have to shape, shape that up because I, I very much agree with you that it looked like an overcorrection to last week and, and what they did this week. Uh, so let's turn to the offensive side of the football. Uh, and for the second week in a row, our guy CMC did not have that many carries. And and some of that was they were the Niners were behind pretty much from, from Jump Street. They had they got the kickoff, they punted, Cincinnati came down, scored immediately. Uh not to say that this offense that was averaging 30 points a game needs to all of a sudden become run dominant, especially with Trent out. But do you want to see CMC have more than 12 carries? in a game where he was averaging, uh, let me see, what, what was he averaging? Four he and was a half. At, yeah, four and a half yards per carry. I, I just think, I think it based on just the way this offense is set up, you have to. You have to be able to give Brock a um, play action option. I mean, and again, we, now we're on an offense. I mean, our I, I know I know what the fan base is going to do. Like you say, it's going to be some combination of Wilkes and Shanahan and Moody and the <laughs> refs, and it's never going to be Brock and his three turnovers. That that's never going to come up. It's it's just not. It, we'll talk about the three hundred sixty-five yards, and that's great. But um, you know what? I, I'm going to slightly disagree with you there. I do yeah. think there's a pocket of fans who dislike the rah-rah Brock stuff a little bit. Okay. Not and, and I might be in that pocket of fans. I, I want Brock to be the best thing since Slice Wonder Bread. Like that's what that's how good I want him to play. But when I watch him and you see these second year mistakes that he's making where these linebackers are kind of suckering in, him into th- making these throws and you go 
damn, that looks a lot like Jimmy G. But then in my mind, I got to go, okay, this is his second season. They're, they are, you know, he's coming back. Some some of the stuff he didn't really have to do a lot last year because they were ahead in all these games. And now we're asking him to do something that we didn't really ask him to do. And I don't think Kyle probably wished that that he would have to do a lot of, which is bail this offense out because or bail the defense out because the defense is playing poorly you know we talked about this when we were trying to make comparisons you were you were like well maybe he's the same size as drew Brees, but drew Brees is throwing 50 times a game Mm -hmm. and if brock has to throw 50 times a game that is not what we want out of him that's what we want from so and and, and again he even I, i don't know even these last the last two weeks really he hadn't really played he played pretty good. I mean, until he didn't, I mean, it really, I mean, this wasn't, you know, on the scale of, if you go from excellent to awful, it definitely wasn't awful. And it, it definitely wasn't excellent. It was, it was somewhere in there. I don't think, I don't think Brock lost us the game by any stretch of the imagination, but there were, there were times that that we I thought that we had I, I thought we we had an opportunity to come back but you know he you know he he gave them back the ball and again the fact of the matter is we couldn't stop him you know so so that was that was the the overarching issue but I thought that especially in the second and third quarters, we did a much better job of moving the ball, which kept them off the field, if nothing else. Um, so it would have been nice to convert some of those drives into points. You know, again, twice in the red zone with no, with nothing to show for it hurts. I mean, you, we have to, if you, you turn those into points, even, into six points, it kind of, it changes the complexion of the game. You know, when you look at the final score, you don't think six points matters, but it just changes the way everything else subsequently plays out, I believe. So um, we just have to be more efficient. Um, And again, you talk about, if if you want to talk, you want to make a Jimmy comparison, it's, you know, the red zone. It's always the red zone. You got to be, that and that's something that Brock has been really good at is cashing. You know, when we get when we get inside the red zone, he's been really effective at cashing until the last two weeks. And I don't know if that's him or if it's the, the what the defense is doing or some combination of the two. It's probably never just one thing. Um, but yeah, it, it's gonna be interesting to see how we move forward because again it what it it seems like again we got here differently Mm -hmm. but again we are you know eight weeks in and we are we are kind of in flux again um it it wasn't you know it it wasn't two a two and three start that we that got us here it was a five and oh start and then all of a sudden yeah we find ourselves at five so it looks different you know, numbers wise, but again, eight weeks in, we're kind of in the same spot we were in 
last season. We were eight weeks in last year. We were one week of CMC. We'd gotten our ass kicked by the Chiefs. And um, that, this game was a little bit reminiscent of that early, I thought. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like where, you know, I'm not. I'm not punting on the season because I've seen this too many times with Kyle Shanahan teams where they somehow figure it out and we go on this massive run. I mean, this year, fortunately, we we don't have to win whatever, what was it, you know, 12 or 10 or 12 straight to end the season. We, We don't necessarily need that kind of run, but it would be nice to, again, as we said, in our preseason workup, it, it'd be nice. We want to be playing our best football. I don't care about being the best team in September. <laughs> I would much rather be playing our best football in January. Yeah. And I mean, and that's still all of that's still out in front of us. It is, we are perfectly capable of fine. Look at, you know, if you look at other teams, the Cowboys seem to have found something today. Um, You know, after they were, you know, truck sticking people early and then we whooped them and then they kind of lost their way. They they kind of righted the ship today. So I'm overall, I don't I'm not I'm not concerned of that our um our our overarching goal is not still in reach. I I still think we could be a team that is to be heard from in late January, but you know, we've got to, we got to get it figured out. All right. So Davis, this is what I also want to ask you this. Davis says, you know, he's not sure Brock is the future, but he's the best option for the present, but he knew teams would figure him out better this year with last season's tape. I think that is fair. That is, uh, I, I don't know if Brock is the future or not. I, you know, you'd have to, you know, may, maybe get a couple drinks into Kyle and have a candid, you know, conversation with him for, to know that. But they did move off of somebody who they traded three to one draft picks for in order to basically prop Brock up as the number one. So he had that much faith in, in doing it. And I do think, you know, if I, if I think back into uh, previous iterations of, of, of great 49er quarterback play, they flashed a little thing on the screen today, which said first 12 games and the records of those QBs mm-hmm. in the first 12 games, Steve young. I think they said Steve young was eight and four in his first 12 starts. And if you remember Steve young would have these tremendous drives and then he would have like a bonehead play that would, the fans would just go crazy about because, oh, this is why, you know, it should be Joe and not Steve. And that was kind of that, that those moments uh, kind of followed him until they, they won the Super Bowl. I, I, so I, I can't say that, you know, Brock with the turnovers in these last three games, all of a sudden is not the guy because you need, you need, if the defenses are figuring out Brock, then you need to give Brock the opportunity to then, be one step ahead of the defenses and start doing other things to not get suckered into those plays. Like there was a play where Tony Romo and, and this is why I like watching Tony Romo games, even though he can be kind of annoying. Sometimes there was the, the touchdown play, uh, the touchdown pass to McCaffrey. So McCaffrey runs like a little short slant 
uh, into the end zone. And I thought he was open on that play. And I was like, throw it, throw it. And then Brock rolls out a little bit. And then he finally throws it. McCaffrey scores a touchdown. And Tony Romo, what he showed was that there was a middle defender who was eyeing Brock to make that throw. And so what Brock did is he looked the other way, which made that guy move. And then he went back to CMC. So those are moments that, you go, okay, like that that's actual, you know, he he's moving the defense in, in a play like that. And then there are going to be sometimes where the quarterback, I mean the the linebacker suckers him into making a throw. And so you would hope that if Brock's going to be the guy, he's going to figure out how to win most of those situations. But someone who is fantastic at something like that, Aaron Rodgers, and he can throw the ball in a rope like he can. He, he still throws picks too. And sometimes mm-hmm. he throws them in inopportune times, especially against the 49ers in the playoffs. Like that was, yeah. you know, so, you know, and again, that, that, that's a thing where, you know, you can be in his, like his predecessor, Brett Favre, you can be too enamored with your talent and you yeah. can try things that mortals don't try because you believe, you know, Brett Favre never, there was never a throw on the field. Brett Favre didn't believe he could make. You know, and a lot of times he did, but also, you know, to you have to live with five pick games to get those five touchdown games. It's just, that was just the, the the deal that you made, and it was interesting to see that as his career, um, got he got to you know whatever it was year twenty, and he was one of the most effective runners of the West Coast offense ever, and you would have never imagined he would be that type of operator if you saw him early in his career. So I do believe I, I make that analogy because I do believe there's growth for Brock, but I am 100% with drip. And that's what I've been saying is that, yes, I believe that with this iteration of players, if we can get Debo back out there, we can get Trent back out there. I believe that Brock can win a championship with this team. I think I've seen enough of him to believe that mm-hmm. the question for Brock I've always had is when the time comes two years from now, when it's decide the time is deciding, do you give this guy $50 million? That's going to be the question because guess what? You're not going to be able to pay him $50 million and then have an all pro um, um, selection of talent around him you're not going to be able to have that i personally sitting here right now i do not want to be in the 50 million dollar brock purdy quarterback business but you know again number one we're, we're not there today number two we'll see he's got two years to to help make that decision for us but i firmly believe that if we're able to get i think trent's we and we talked about this in the preseason he's one of the players we could least afford to lose yeah <laughs> because while excuse me because while more has it has been decent and trent williams and then debo i i think his loss is um we we got a little Elijah Mitchell today, but it, it doesn't seem to me that Kyle is thrilled to have to give <laughs> anybody in the backfield other than Christian McCaffrey the ball. Yeah. And he does but he does feel comfortable 
if he needs to give Christian a rest or he wants to get a different look, then he can put Debo back there. And it's the same difference, basically. He is a guy who can make plays from back there, either as a receiver or as a ball carrier. He's just a difference maker. I just don't – I think what what we're learning is Elijah Mitchell and those other dudes, they're they're nice players. But, you know, you talk about, like, NBA is is ramping up and you talk about how they talk about there and how in the playoffs, how the bench tightens up. Well, I think when the games tighten up, Kyle, there's like on his play sheet, they're like four guys that he's comfortable getting the ball to. And Elijah Mitchell and, and, and JP and TDP aren't them dudes. I mean, you know, he wants to get it to Kittle. He wants to get it to IU. Debo. Um, I'm, I'm gonna. I want to ask you about a play call here in a second. But mm-hmm. my prediction for the trade deadline is that the Niners go after a receiver because what Debo's loss has shown me is Jennings is very much one dimensional, but he is one dimensional in a way where if you can spread out the field and and he's the guy who the defense cares about the least, he's great. Because he's gonna, he's tall. He's got hands. He's gonna make a tough catch. He's a matchup nightmare for corners. But when he is actually spied upon, he doesn't have the speed to mm-hmm. to get away from anybody. And on the flip side, Ray Ray, Ray Ray is great when you can sprinkle him in and you can kind of hide him, and all of a sudden he breaks out on a jet sweep or he takes a screen. Great, he's a, but he's when, a gadget guy, he's a gadget. But guy. when he has eyeballs on him, he is a one-dimensional mm-hmm. kind of player. So that has that is what Debo's injury, I think, has exposed in the 49ers wide receiver depth. I it, I think if they go anywhere and, and trade for somebody, I think it's going to be somebody who they they can they think is a little bit more of a well-rounded receiver, just in case something like this happens again, which doesn't doesn't uh it isn't great news for someone like Danny Gray who can't even get on the field or Ronnie Bell or Ronnie Bell who I wish, mean, I he, wish they would give him a little bit of a shot because I think he has some of those explosive abilities that they like but we know Kyle's hard on rookie and rookies I mean it's just that's what I think when you it's it's definitely with him we've seen enough to see it's not a skill thing so it's got to be the fact that either he doesn't know all of his responsibilities well or He's just not confident that he can go out there and make plays um, in the run game, which is important. I, you know, and I, I hear people say, so so you're not going to put a playmaker out there because he can't block. No, you're not. I mean, because <laughs> receivers are because what we are, everything that we do is based off of the run game. And we've seen it this season with CMC that there have been times when IU and Jennings and even Ray Ray have turned six-yard gains into 30-yard gains Mm -hmm. blocking downfield. And that, you know, in my limited experience with football actually out there, that is something that you always saw with teams that went on to do great things, is that guys took pride in helping getting downfield and blocking. It's just something that great teams do. And it's something that we do well. And so you're not going to have a guy out there who isn't as committed to that. It's just a core philosophy around here. And um, 
I've been saying I've been I've been saying for a long time, and, and maybe he's too long on the tooth, and I don't know if um Tampa would even I think that's where he is. Is Tampa is maybe Kyle gives Julio one more <laughs> run? Is somebody who because I'm looking when when you talk about somebody as a receiver, they've got to be somebody who could who could come in and you can plug in to the Kyle offense it is not going to be this whole big lag time. And Julio knows this offense. Um, I don't know how much he has left in the tank, but is I think if, if, if you're right, it's going to be somebody with Kyle Shanahan offense connections. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I just don't see it being somebody who comes in cold because I just don't know how much of a, an impact, um, if you don't have any experience with this offense on, Oh, okay. All right. Well, I guess that's out. Thanks. Rick, Rick, let us know that Julio signed with, with the Eagles. I was trying to figure out, it's like, I've heard his name recently. I thought it was the bucks, but yeah. Okay. The Eagles. So yeah. So that's a dead issue. Um, That, that might've been a good signing for what you're talking about, but I, you know, and offhand, I can't think of anybody else with any real Kyle connections or, Kyle offensive connections that what about Bill there's a receiver in New England who scored a touchdown today who's got some 49er background to him Kendrick Bourne huh Kendrick Bourne um I don't know he I mean he may be a little too one-dimensional to to be the the guy that I that I thought but you know he kind of fits a little bit into your mold he would know some of the stuff that he would need to know to be able to uh, to pitch in. Rod also wondered about someone like Hunter Renfro, who is kind of like a, a catches machine uh, with the Raiders, but for whatever reason is not really playing much this year. Um, that would be – I mean, he definitely knows how to get – I mean, and he's a guy who, you know, I've – little bit experience with the Raiders. He he's not gonna be scared to do the dirty work. And like you say, he's able to get open and he doesn't drop the ball. So um I think he would be the type of player that would benefit greatly for playing playing with somebody like Brock. Um and he's wasting away all those receivers down there wasting away. Hell make a call for see what it takes to get Devontae. (laughs) And you know you know how you get Devontae. You tell him we're going to sign Derek Carr next year. <laughs> We're going to bring him in. He's going to battle. He's going to compete with Brock for the QB1 <laughs> spot. So we'll trade for you and make you happy. Because I don't think he's he's not happy if he, he went to the Raiders partially to play with his buddy. And then they are like, sorry. Gee, gee. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this. Jimmy G is like an all pro when he's targeting Devontae Adams. But I think that has more to do with Devontae than it does. Jimmy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Here's the play that I was going to ask you about. Niners are moving the ball. They are, uh, you know, trying to come back in this game. They get into the red zone. The play call is RPO to Elijah Mitchell. Now, right out of the gate, doesn't look like, either Brock or Elijah Mitchell are comfortable with this play. <laughs> like they've never run it before. Right. <laughs> like it's the first time. <laughs> so, 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 so Brock fakes the handoff. Elijah Mitchell runs a pass route that is sort of like he's running a sweep. And Brock is like, kind of like just a couple yards behind him running the same pathway. And I think he's trying, Brock is trying to get out 
far enough to where he can just kind of float it to Mitchell. And there's daylight there. But as Brock is trying to get out, uh, he has to throw it a little bit early. And uh, the the defender was was right there and just taps it in the air and then intercepts it. And I just thought, you know, and, and this is this is kind of in uh, I, I was just thinking about it a little bit because of how uh, Shanahan called Wilkes out. I wonder if Shanahan would take that play call back because neither guy looked comfortable running it. And it's not like it was CMC who would probably be the one to attract all the defenders on the, on the play fake. That definitely looked like a CMC. Right. Like when Kyle drew that up in his mind and on a whiteboard, that was with CMC in mind. It, it, It just looked like, that would, you know, it's a perfect CMC call. It was clear that, um, though, like you say, I, I thought the same thing watching it. It was like, man, those dudes look like that's the first time they ever have run that play. And, you know, the fact that um, Elijah Mitchell was out all of training camp, they probably, it might have been. I don't, you know, obviously, I don't know what they did in practice this week. But um, it look, they look super uncomfortable on that call. And I was looking cause they went right to the sidelines. And so you saw Shanahan as Brock was walking back toward the sidelines. And you know, when Shanahan wants to hide whatever he's screaming at, he kind of covers the mic with his hand. I don't know how, I don't know if that helps. Does that like, work? Like, like you, LeBron. <laughs> can you cover the mic with your hand and like no sound gets into it because you're, you're, you're yelling at somebody. Mm. I think you would you, like, he's got to have a mute button on yeah. the same thing. Right. We'll just use the mm-hmm. mute button. But anyway, I, I thought that was a poor play call in that instance. Now, if it works, then it's a great play call, but it didn't. So it kind of, you know, you kind of can look at it that way. Uh, and this was a drive where they were using the play action to tremendous benefit. Kittle, Ayuk, just getting downfield, just like no, you know, the no one around them making big plays. And so you're like, okay, you know, and they're cooking now. You know, they finally figured some things out. And then the turnover there comes at the most inopportune time if you're trying to come back and win the game. And then, you know, I know that the, the other, the other, uh, the other interception that he threw was, I think, I think he just got suckered, but at that point you're already down, you know, and it's, it's getting later in the game. So there's more urgency and there's, you know, when there's more urgency, some QBs are going to make more mistakes as we saw with, with Jimmy G. And then the fumble at the end was um, that game was over, but it did look like the play right before where they called the uh, roughing the passer for going below the knees. Brock did bang his head against the ground. And I'm guessing that nobody on the 49er sideline actually saw that, or they would have probably got him out of there down by 14 at that point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Third and whatever it was. So I hope that Brock is, it didn't get dinged up more from that hit. Um, then uh then then because then the next play was the fumble so but your point leads me to the fact that something i wanted to mention um was that we did see a little bit more rpo than we've seen Mm -hmm. at any other point in the season with brock and again i just think there's money there but again as we I think we, again, as I said, I think we sussed it out earlier in the season that you really don't want this dude taking shots. But I just think, I don't know. I I, I think especially 
as the 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 games get more higher leverage and there's more to win and again maybe it's not worth it in october but um i just think as the games get tight i think that there's money there i think the dude can run it i think he's athletic enough to where he can make plays and there are enough playmakers out there where you just you put these dudes in binds where you know they can't cover it all um and i think you know there were several times a day where brock you know the the running lanes were like wide open. I mean, you we we've been calling for this all season long. Yeah, so it was good to see. You know, and he got like sixty yards today, rushing, and and was like he averaged like not he averaged he wasn't like it was nine point five per rush. I yeah, mean, that, I mean, there's that he, is, he and Burroughs were the two top rushers of the game. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 I'm I mean, sorry. I'm sorry. Mixon, Mixon, Mixon had it had 87, but yeah, the two, but two average, average, mm-hmm. average carry. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, so yeah, it um it that is I, I think as we move forward, I think that's something that we will see more. And I don't know. I don't, you know, there's no way to know how something like thinking that, you know, um Darnold might have to play and you know who knows what he saw from him but maybe I don't know if you believe that that dude is not going to kill you maybe you can be a little bit more um less risk averse with Brock and again I I don't think you ever want to put him in harm's way because I believe he gives us our best chance to win the broadcast um, said specifically about the concussion that he started to get ill on the flight home from mm-hmm. Minnesota. And then the next day he felt fine. So, uh, you know, concussions, as I said on the, the preview yeah. pod that I did this for, for this morning, mm-hmm. concussions are so different in how, you know, how they, how folks react to them, the severity. I don't, I, you know, I think we don't call anything necessarily a minor concussion anymore of, as a way to just make sure that concussions are, are never stigmatized as something lesser than, than dangerous. But it does sound like he had, you know, a, a one that was not going to give him much trouble, but then have, you know, what the one thing that we do know is when you, uh, when you get hit in the head, you know, in, in a, in a short time span, that could be more susceptible act, to the right. second one than, you know, so like you say, it bears watching. Um, I didn't notice what you noticed on him hitting his head, but that is something that bears watching because if, pardon me, if he ends up in the concussion protocol again this week, I can guarantee you, as we saw from the Tua situation last year, he's not going to play next week. If he, if he ends up in their back end, a week, I just don't think, well, Oh, we got the buy yeah, though. Bye. So it might, yeah. So that, that's not even, that's, that's not even an issue at this point. So yeah, it would give him, he has, you know, effectively two weeks um, to recover. So yeah, that, that, that's a, a, a good break for us. <laughs> Um, all right. So just a couple more things. Just wanted to shout out Shelvin as always for hanging out. Shelvin said that he thought that he saw that uh, Kendrick came out of the new England game today. So I didn't see that. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll have to, we, something to watch. And then uh, Davis had a question that I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, and, and it's something that, you know, you kind of want to think about, which is 
you have all of these options and Kyle obviously is a very creative play caller, especially to get guys open in space. And, you know, I thought the play action was there last week or last game on Monday and they didn't really go to it that much. And then, uh, Davis wanted to see more RPO stuff today. And he just said, you know, is there too many play options, even with Debo out that my answer to that, without being that, you know, knowledgeable about how to call uh, an NFL uh, offense. I think, I think play callers are so much more comfortable when they just have their guys. And if, and if in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, Trent's not here and Trent's replacement, you know, you're just thinking about, can we do this? Is the risk too big to run this play, knowing what we need out of the tackle here, knowing what we need out of Debo's spot? Can we can we win this thing too? So I, you know, I, I'm sure when Debo is back and when Trent is back, Kyle's gonna go back into the bag. Some of that stuff today, I thought was you know, he's he sees something in, in the Bengals defense that he can take advantage of and uh, give them some options. So but ultimately, like, I, I don't I don't know the answer to, to Davis's question about if, you know, are, do, you, do you just have too many things that you can do? And sometimes you just want to, you know, you just want to run out of a, a two back set. We saw a little bit of Mitchell and, and McCaffrey together in the game, which I thought was weird. I was like, wait, is Juszczyk hurt? Like, why are these two guys in the backfield together? So. Um, ultimately, my, my answer to, to Davis is I, I don't really know, but I thought it was an interesting question. It is. And, you know, but it it what was I don't know, I guess alarming is it's too strong. But I did take note of the fact that 27 of the 30 targets were were, were amongst three players. Yeah. Um, and then the rushes. If you take out, um, if you take out Brock six, which I don't really remember, I didn't make note of how many of those are really designed runs. But I mean, again, Christian McCaffrey is you know is, is at about seventy percent of the rush attempts. If you take again, if, subtracting Brock's, he had twelve of of the eighteen. Um, you know, if you take Brock's attempts out. So, I mean, a lot of the carries and targets are concentrated amongst the guys, the usual suspects, as I would call them. Um, And it's only, you know, obviously, I think you would think Debo's absence only makes that, you know, even, you know, it it even, it it makes that even, it highlights it. because I don't know, you know, up prior to his injury, you know, it was George was the one who was getting the short end of the stick on targets. Um, but he led the team today. Um, so again, that's that's a that's a good thing that we have guys who can take up the slack. But you know, it it is it's just concentrated amongst those, you know the playmakers amongst CMC, Iuke, and Kittle. I mean, it doesn't seem like he's got a whole hell of a lot of faith in um, those other guys. And I think it, it is, like you say, I mean, Brayway made a couple of, made at least one really big play um, 
as a receiver, but like you, like you outlined before in your case, we're bringing in another guy. He's really a gadget guy. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be a guy that when you go three wise, that you're kind of just lining him up and expecting him to go out there and make plays. And like you say, that's not even um, Jennings is, you know, he's not, he is, best utilized when he's the third guy and you're you're getting or fourth guy really when you've got you know Kittle you got when you are fully staffed and you know basically he's going to be out there he's going to be the odd man out and he's going to have single coverage and generally you know like third and Juwan he is going to be able to beat any corner that they have out there just physically as a you know as a post up and he's he gonna run, and he's gonna rub their face in the dirt at the at the same time. Yeah, I mean, somebody into the ground. That's great, but like you say, if you you put him in a situation where he's now wide receiver two, or why you know, it's just it's a different you know, like you say, he's just not fast enough yeah. to um to to be as effective. So that's not the craziest thing I've heard. If you could find, you know a qualified receiver and it's not going to cost a whole hell of a lot of money. Yeah. That would be, I mean, not a whole hell, but a whole hell of a lot of draft cap because nobody's really going to cost a whole hell of a lot of money at this point. You're only paying for half a season unless, you know, they've got a longer contract, but you know, I think I, I do believe that we're at this point, they've got all this money. And I think that they're not going to let, I don't believe they will let money be the reason because I, I think, you know, they cleared up that money because I, I think they understand that these windows are short and anything you can do to extend them. If you're in a position where you're this close and you think that there's a player that can make a difference this season, I think you have to kind of go all in. There was conversation online today talking about somebody talking about not agreeing with you know the f f them picks efficacy of the rams (laughs) but you know what man i i just believe that championships especially in the nfl are so hard to get yeah if you think you you have you really do have to push your chips all in because ultimately what does it matter if you are a you know a good team you're a, a 10 and 17 for eight years years in a row, five years in a row. If you're not really, you're a good team, but you're really not, you know, in the mix for, to be playing in February. I mean, I I guess that's fine, but at at a certain point, this team is, I, I think all of them are here. You know, these players, this coaching staff, this front office, they're going to be measured on how many championships they win. I Jed, Jed might Jed. I wish Jed had a little bit of Uncle Eddie in him, because Jed did open up the checkbook to turn uh, some of this, some of these future bonuses into mm-hmm. current bonuses, which opened up some open of this, this window up the for cal- the yeah run. the cap yeah. space. And you know, if this was Uncle Eddie, you know, this is partially why Bill Walsh retired so early because sick of getting yelled at by Eddie Tapartolo. Yeah. And you know, Kyle, there should be there should be a little bit of pressure on Kyle. I'm sure he's feeling it. You know, and Kyle's a little bit of an alpha kind of personality himself. But you know, if I'm Jed, 
I'm pretty dissatisfied about how they've played the last three weeks, considering, you know, all the money that he has put into the team. So, but I don't, I don't, I believe, like you say, I don't, I have not always got the feeling that money has not been an object with this team and that, that like Eddie, Eddie would do whatever. And again, I know that it's a, you know, we're dealing with a sour, but we've seen it. You can massage this. If you want to, if you want to put the cash up, you can massage the salary cap. Yeah. But Eddie was all about going to get the newest and shiniest toy. If Eddie, Eddie's backups made more money than a lot of other teams starters. If Kevin Green was out there, if Tim Harris was out there, if, you know, Jim Burt was out there, he would go and he would spend the money to, like you say, have a fully stocked and fortified. Like you say, his backups were as highly paid as some starters around the league. So that and that is just it's not really how we've operated around here. Like if you don't have to look any further than our offensive line, you know, where we're we're you stitching it together. Okay, if you decide you're not going to play McClinchy, that's fine. But you're paying like a million seven to McKivitz. I mean, you at a certain point, you kind of get what you pay for. It's, it's just it's frustrating to have those kind of glaring weaknesses when you've got a team as good in the skill position places um, that we're trying to I kind of chintz and pinch pennies in places like, again, we spent the money on Moody, but nobody else is really getting paid in the secondary. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's just at a certain point, I think those weaknesses will come back to bite us. We definitely need another corner. I just don't know that at this point in time, if you're going to be able to get somebody that makes a significant difference there. And, you know, I don't, I, 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 I don't like to be the revisionist, but I don't know. Do you, can you get a better corner or a better offensive lineman in the third round and you get, you know, who is it? Dallas has that, the soccer dude who's booming, <laughs> 58 yard kicks and they, you know he wasn't drafted so i mean mm-hmm. i you know i don't you know you know i i'm not trying to revisit i'm not shoehorn and revisiting moody there but again it's just the decision every decision that you make has ramifications mm-hmm. at other places when yeah. you're building a roster and again that we just have for a team that's this good there are just significant holes here. And again, there was deodorant put on, we go five and oh, but when you lose three in a row, everything, you know, gets yeah, a shower, man. Yeah. Everybody there's, <laughs> there's magnifiers put on everybody. Um, so we'll see. All right. So uh, we'll end this, uh, you know, we, we kind of do the player of, of the week. Um, I think you could make a case for Kittle who had a big game. He had one drop on, uh, I think it was on a third down, but otherwise he looked fast. He looked spry. He looked like, uh, you know, the Kittle who from a few years ago, who was like 
not only one of the best tight ends, but one of the best, uh, you know, receivers and yards after the catch guys in the league. He looked like that again today. Uh, and Ayuk as well. He had the one drop mm-hmm. where he kind of slid, and I couldn't tell if he lost the ball in the sun or it snuck up on him. It's, you know, it's, I don't think Brock fired it in any harder than he usually does, but the ball just bounced off of his face mask. That was really the only bad play for him. I think you go with both guys, and, and CMC gets the two scores like always. He's a mm-hmm. he's he's the touchdown vulture on this team. Um, but I don't think there was anybody else who I saw that would even qualify of uh, of being, you know, a player uh, of the week. Those, so those would be the the three that I that I thought stood out. Well, you know, I I just I just liked this dude, and I thought that he had a really good game. Um, Armstead, he had two Armstead sacks, did. two tackle for losses two quarterback hits. Um, and he was just really disruptive on a day where I was watching the defensive line and it was really just him and Bosa. I mean, my man. Um, they were working eight, well together in tandem. The $84 million man was like a no-show. Um, and it, it's been that way for the past several weeks. I mean, he's just, he's not, um, Hargrave, I'm talking about, has yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. not, he has not made any kind of impact at all. Um, and that's, it's just troubling. He, he has to, when you have invested, and again, I'm not doing that thing that people are doing with Nick that, you know, been nitpicking because he got paid. It's just the fact that when you invest those resources there, you know, they, he basically was expected to, um, replace the production of um Ebukam and Amenahue and he just hasn't you know mm-hmm. you know it, it so it when he is a goose egg it it just really it hurts it, you really need that production from him and I don't know what they have to do schematically to um to free him up again that but talking like that completely is the antithesis of how I believe. I just believe this dude needs to go out there and win. <laughs> I mean, that's that that's what you pay him for is to go out there and make plays. Um, and he just hasn't the past two weeks in particular. I've been watching, and he just he is a, a big goose egg in the stat sheet. Um, and that that's a problem. That that's a huge problem. Yeah. Uh, so moving forward, hopefully we can figure out a way. I don't know. Um, I know in Philly, they, you know, they played him outside some to try to get him going. Um, I don't know what what it is that we have to do, but we definitely that's one place that I look at and see that we could definitely stand for a whole lot of um, more production. I'm looking at the stat sheet now. And Hufunga had like ten tackles, but that's like fool's gold to me. Yeah, he just there were some plays where he just he was just he looked bad. He looked mm-hmm. really bad, and that, that's a problem. So again, we could talk about you know the DC, but I I just think our players just need to do a better job of making plays. Um, so we'll see as we come out of the bye week. Maybe we get refreshed and um. I don't know. Maybe they make an addition. I I just doubt it. I don't. I don't really see anybody out there that's gonna be like a, a huge needle mover that that you really 
are going to be willing to give up significant. I think, well, I say it like this, anybody who would make a huge difference is going to take significant draft capital to acquire. I just don't think you're going to be able to throw, you know, Carolina a fifth for Brian Burns. I, yeah, I, I yeah, just, I just don't see. So we'll see. Um, we get to lick our wounds and hopefully we come back and, um, you know, it's a, we, we have a, a fresher outlook on the, on the second on the other half of the buy all right so if the niners make a trade in this uh at at the trade deadline maybe rod and i can get back together and do like a quick you know Mm -hmm. probably not a live stream but just do a short video and and the Mm -hmm. audio podcast so we could talk about it but otherwise i think we're going to take the week off next week because you know, after losing three games in a row, we we might have to recharge our batteries. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, exactly. I you know we'll we'll do if the, if there's a trade, we'll do like a midweek thing, and then a shorter show, and then uh, we'll have next Sunday off. I think everybody's probably uh, thankful that you have a, a Sunday where you don't have to sit in front of the TV for for eight hours, or maybe maybe. You're just like, no, that's what I want to do every week, and I'm going to do it anyways. I know Shelvin had some issues with the the direct TV, or not the direct TV, but the Sunday ticket, the, the mm-hmm. YouTube. He said that there was issues with the morning games today. So um, maybe that's what it is. It's just like, yeah, I, because I watch the Niners next week, I'm just going to watch all the other teams. That Maybe that's what you do. But anyways, so we'll take a break, but uh, we may come back during the week with a short show. Um, and then later this week, Giants podcast, Thompson and Clark, and we'll have the Warriors uh, as well, the death lineup. And I will jump in if need be on any any stories, any anything. I'm loving you and Brian and the Warriors because this is just such a fascinating team to me. It is, and, and I've stayed away from the score because I know they're playing right now and I have it on I have it on re- recording. I don't know the score, but what I love to do when I watch basketball is I do the 10 second skip after every bucket and after every free throw, like I eliminate free throws. I eliminate the time and I can get through a basketball game in like an hour versus Mm -hmm. the two and a half hours. And so after you and I are done, I'm going to go upstairs and I'm going to do my shadow boxing exercise while I'm watching a sped up version of the world. And who knows, maybe I could catch up to, to real time though. But at, at this point, they're probably in the fourth quarter already. So maybe not, but uh, I'm going to stay away from all my alerts so that I don't spoil myself. But uh, yeah, hopefully they make me feel better because I didn't feel good watching this game. Uh, all right. That'll be it from here. Thank you to everyone who checked in with us and who was, uh, you know, who, who's riding with us during this season. Love all of you. Go D back, Sheldon. Yes. One, the, the, they're one and one. They, they got a shot here. The 84 win Arizona Diamondbacks in the World Series. Jeez. 84 wins all and that that's the only dog i have in the fight i'm rooting (laughs) for the d-backs because it's shelvin (laughs) all right uh thank you to everybody for rod i'm double g we will see you when we see you peace out get ahead of postage rate increases this year with stamps.com it's like your own personal post office sign up with promo code program for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts that's stamps.com code program Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.